Welcome to the Superhero of Love podcast. I am Bridget Fonger. I wrote a book called Superhero of Love, Heal Your Broken Heart and Then Go Save the World. That book is going to be out in January 2019, but I didn't want to wait until that time to start talking to superheroes of love. And guess what? Here's the news. You are a superhero of love. And through talking to other superheroes like yourself, tapping into that little superhero inside of you, I'm hoping that you and I and all of us start feeling more and more like superheroes of love, meaning that we love and are loved more than ever before. So welcome. Let's get this party started. All right. Welcome, superheroes. We are here today with the enlightened badass. I'm sorry, but that is the best website, I think, maybe in the history of mankind. <laughs> Her website is literally called The Enlightened Badass, because she is The Enlightened Badass. This is Melanie Childers. She Hello. is a welcome, welcome Melanie Childers. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here with you. I'm so happy you're here. Melanie is one of those people that, again, we have a million people in common. Thank you, Allie Laprete, for um, first telling me that I have to interview her. And also, <clears throat> thanks to Claire Byrne um, for giving a shout out that, yes, we should. she should be on this show because she is a superhero of love. So um, <laughs> Claire is in the business of helping us heal and empower our hearts for sure. And we are speaking to each other the day after a week of hideousness in terms of the pro-choice movement. And Melanie is speaking to us from one of said states where hideousness has occurred. Hideousness has occurred, <laughs> y'all. It is awful. Y'all. Okay. And so I just want to let you tell us how you're taking care of your heart and how you're helping people take care of their hearts. Because I immediately, this week was just like a repeated, what it felt like stabbing in my heart for the collective woman. And so how do you help us take care of our hearts? And let me stop and put a pin in that for just one second and just say, I just want to acknowledge you also for all the work that you do empowering women who are um, considering running for office, who are running for office and who are badasses themselves. And I just want to say thank you for doing that for women. Speaking of politics. <laughs> and, and thank you. It is, it is the, the love of my heart. My heart's work is helping women step into their power to go after whatever they want. And for most of the women who come to work with me, it is, it is whatever their next level is, whether it's going after a promotion or a new job or getting that promotion and then realizing, oh shit, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I can do this. Help me backfill my confidence. I'm not sure. I took a leap and now that I see that there's no net. And Can I just say I love that? Backfill my confidence? Yes. Oh my God. I love that so much. Okay, continue. I'm so yeah. sorry. I'm holding on to that. Yeah, it's like when you, when you jump into like off a cliff into the ocean, right? Or even off the diving board into the swimming pool. You're scared before you jump. You're scared when you're jumping. And then when you get there, you're like, oh, okay. And Actually, so like, that was we're, fun. Yeah, we're helping you get to the, okay, that was, that's, this is fun. I can do this. And so, yeah, I mean, a hundred percent, you know, 50, easily 50% of my clientele is women who are running for office or want to run for office and are just terrified. Like they all come to me and say, I'm, I'm scared. I'm terrified. And I'm like, yeah, of course you are. It's okay though. We're going to do it anyway, and we're going to kick ass at it. So what I'm doing to take care of my own personal heart and the hearts of those around me, um, I teach resilience. 
So it's not just confidence, but it's also resilience. And we talk a lot about how to ground yourself and how to take care of your mind and your brain. And a lot of it for me is turning off the news and social media for a while. Because like my Facebook feed right now is a constant barrage of heartbeat, the heartbeat bills that are happening in Alabama, Georgia, Ohio, Missouri. And I feel like there's another one I'm missing, but. And she's talking to us from Georgia, which is, so it's yes. <laughs> Utah, Utah, Missouri, Kentucky, Missouri was just yesterday, Utah, Missouri, yeah. Kentucky, Ohio, Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama, and you in Georgia. Yeah. yeah. Good times. So yeah, I mean, my Facebook feed is essentially, fuck you Republicans, get your fucking hands out of, off of my uterus. <laughs> Thank you kindly. Bye. Um, It's a lot of outrage and it's a lot of anger and hurt and frustration and feeling like we women are, and, and people who identify as women are objects in the eyes of men. And that is painful to our hearts because, and, and especially when we like, this is something that I said the other day is like, where are my progressive men at? This affects you too. Where are the men in this conversation? You think that it doesn't have anything to do with you, and yet your silence tells me that you agree. And so why? Where are you? And so I've seen a couple of men speak up, but for the most part, I'm like, where are you? And that hurts my personal heart. You know, that's really, that's such a good point. Like, wouldn't that be so amazing if men organized a march, progressive men organized a march and said, we're not standing for this? Something. You know, yeah. Yeah. That would be, that would be incredible. You know, my feed is the same as your feed and, you know, the picture of the Republicans who vote, the white men who voted, that was Alabama the other day, right? The white Mm -hmm. men voted in there, that meme is going around of all those faces. And, and I found myself just like over the course of just three clicks becoming racist against white men. <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, like I was becoming, I was just watching myself becoming, you know, like not every white man is a bad man, but it was just when you see this portrait of those white men, I, it, it's so easy to become, it's just like, I was just noticing how quickly that took, you know, like three clicks to, it's not like I haven't had the anger toward the white men. And I honestly, like in this, in this political, in this leading up to the 2020 election. Well, I think it's interesting because I think you are in a place where many women are right now. It's like we, we have hit speechless rage. So no wonder, of yeah. course, you're angry. I'm angry. And I, I said to, um, I was on a friend's live, Missy Bird. I don't know if you follow her, Dr. Missy Bird. She did a Facebook live yesterday and she said, will you come be on it? We're talking about abortion. I'm like, Ooh, girl, I don't think the internet can handle me today, <laughs> but I did it anyway. But we, this is what, something we talked about. She was like, are you mad? And I'm like, I'm, I'm so beyond angry that I'm calm. And mm. like, you should not trust me. The eye of the storm. I, I am at Dracaris. I am at hand me a lighter and you better hope that you don't have an aerosol can because I'm there. Mm-hmm. And th- like, I think I've experienced levels of rage in the last two years that I did not know I was capable of. And I think that that is happening for a lot of women. And I think a lot of us are, are coming to this awareness that we've been inside a matrix for a long time. Like to use that metaphor, we've been inside a matrix where we thought, all of our institutions would support us and that the people that we thought loved us, that we think love us are on the same page as us. And like when I don't see 
progressive men stand, taking a stand against this, I go, oh, you're not on my team. Mm. I can't trust you anymore. And, it, and, and I think that that's just at a very subconscious level that those things are happening. And, it's, and I know that, you know, everybody's at their own stage of like awareness of what's happening in the world, but you feel like you have this place and this role and this voice and suddenly all of that gets upended. And it's like you've stepped outside of the matrix and you're like, oh, everything that I think is true is bullshit. And now we have to do something different. And like being able to, there was an Instagram post yesterday, and I think it's by Yellow Hammer, which is a, a we'll get to that later, but um, <laughs> it was a post that was like five or six quotes from Republican state legislature men all talking about how essentially women are host bodies. Oh, dear God. Yeah. Well, well, you know, your body can, you know, a rape kit's supposed to clean you out. So right. it's yeah. like, that's not what that's for. It's to collect evidence to prosecute the person who raped you. Yeah. It's not to make me clean again. It's not to prevent pregnancy. Um, no, and consensual rape. That was just two days that, ago. That was on there too, consensual yeah. rape. And I was like, just having all of this in front of me is like, I knew and now I see it. You know what I mean? Like it's a different level of knowing and awareness. And I think a lot of women are at that place of, oh, <laughs> you, you, y'all ain't on our team and something has to change. I wonder about the progressive men. I, I mean, sometimes, I mean, even I'm guilty of this. It's like, sometimes I need to be asked. Sometimes I need to be invited to step into, for instance, I need somebody to say, I need you on my team. And maybe it's about asking you know, reaching out and saying, look, we need you. This is not just our fight. Well, and I think uh, that it's confusing. Someone brought this up the other day that it's confusing for them because so many, they've been hearing for the last two years, sit down and shut up. Your opinion doesn't matter. And in, in some ways, and then, you know, in some, you know, in some circles and in some ways, and now we're saying, where the fuck are you? Speak up. Right. And, Good point. Good point. Yeah. Well, and it's so, it's interesting to me because I see that, but I'm also at the same time, like, let's not make excuses here. They can learn. Yeah. I've had to learn when I'm well, I, I, I am actually right? surrounded by a lot of, of progressive men who are speaking out and who are out there, out there stomping the grounds. But, awesome. but you're, uh, you're in California, though. Right? I'm in Los Angeles. Yeah. 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 It's not happening as much in Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not that they're not here, they're totally here. I think that maybe they've been cowed by the whole shut up and listen. So you're in Georgia, you're in one of these battlegrounds. What are you doing? What are your friends doing? What are you telling people to do? What's the call to action? Well, it's, see, it's fascinating to me. A whole bunch of people are, you know, there are things that are being organized and I'm sort of at the point where I'm like, y'all should have done this two months ago. Mm. It's signed into law. It goes into effect in January. Yes, you know, the ACLU and Planned Parenthood are going to be fighting this in court. But as, as your layperson, what, what do you think that that's not going to change anything? It's done. Why are you going to march now? You should have marched two months ago. You should have marched in January. You should have marched in February and March and April. Like it's already been Did signed into law. Did you yeah. know this was coming? Yeah. I mean, this has been, this has been their agenda for 40 years. Yeah. And they've, they have tried this several times in several different ways. So Yeah. I mean, if, I feel like if you didn't know it was coming, you were missing something. This has 100% been the agenda, which is why the SCOTUS is so important, which is why so many of us were outraged, not just because Brett Kavanaugh's a piece of shit, but also because this is the way that, that he would vote and that they want to overturn Roe versus Wade, period. And it will happen. So were you doing things two months ago? I mean, I know you're, you're saying they should have been organizing these marches two years ago, uh, two months ago. So what, what, what were you doing? As Me the, personally, making yeah. phone calls. 
okay. doing a lot of resist botting. I can't, I'm not close enough to the Capitol where I can go there every day. And I'm, I'm a life coach, so I'm on the phone literally all day long. Um, so it's not like I can just get up and, and go down there on a whim. And also, hi, if you've ever been to Atlanta, the traffic is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> So it would take me that. it yeah. would take me a solid two hours to get anywhere no matter what time of day so right it's a little it's a little more difficult for me to get to something that would be visible enough to you know have an impact but you know supporting those who are going sharing all of that information with my social networks like oh hey there's this thing happening if you can make it please go and making phone calls that's a good making idea. making phone calls mm. writing emails we passing know. them out on resist <laughs> like i have been vocal all literally all of my representatives house senate and governor are Republican and they don't give a shit what I have to say. This is their agenda. They do not care. So it's hard, right? Like you see, I don't have that situation. So I, I've, I've called other states and they don't care about me, but I say whatever. I don't care that they don't it matters. care. Yeah, it matters. It um, matters because your voice is counted, but they like they literally yeah. don't care. So I was watching um, the Colbert show the other night and he had on BTS, you know, the Korean pop group that mm-hmm. is so popular among teenagers right now. And he also had on John Favreau and the three guys that do the podcast. Pod Save America, that one. Thank you so much, who do the podcast Pod Save America. <laughs> and, and John Favreau said, hey, teenagers, you're watching tonight. Register to vote. And I feel like when he said that, my heart leapt because I felt like the teenagers can save us. You know what I mean? Like even if just the teenagers stand up and say, old white men who think women's bodies are host bodies, you need to get out now. So that just made my heart leap. Yeah, truly. If all of Gen Z were to register to vote and go vote, we can solve this. Yeah. Well, yes, yes, they need some some other help from the rest of us, but like they need to be showing up in not insignificant numbers. And what else makes your heart leap in that way? Like what else gives you hope? Like what else can we focus our attention on or support? In other words, I feel like when you take action to support something that makes your heart leap, then it's make it's like a feel good, feel good, feel good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a feel good generator. Yeah. The thing that I think is going to make truly, truly make the biggest difference in this country in the next decade is going to be encouraging women of color to run for office. Yes. Support them, send them money, knock doors for them, get them, help them get elected, register voters, whatever the fuck it takes. Yes. They are truly the ones who look out for everybody who have the interest of the common people, all of us, that who are, who are not stymied in this white supremacist patriarchy that they can't see because they know it. They know mm-hmm. it well. They care about, you know, all the minorities, all the, all the, you know, the poor to the very rich. Like they care about community. They're very involved. Like they need to be running fucking everything. And I'm like, whatever I have to do to get them to run for office, please run for office, please. We need yeah. you. <laughs> I, I went to the, the first sister giant that Marianne Williamson did years ago. Actually, I think it was the first sister, sister giant. It was in Los Angeles several years ago. And that's where I actually met Melissa Fitzgerald, who's an act. She was on the TV show West Wing, and she's working actually for the National Association of Drug Courts right now and Justice for Vets and doing all this incredible work right now. I met her there and I met a lot of other really amazing women. And Marianne Williamson created this conference for women to come and learn about, she always chooses a few different topics. And that one was child 
poverty and the prison system. And there was a third one too. Those were the two most moving ones to me because I was undereducated about those, about how the prison system is really... That school to prison pipeline. Yeah, that school to prison pipeline. Thank you so much for articulating that. And so I was unaware of that. Anyway, so we learned so much. And then at the very end of the conference, she asked every woman in the audience who felt like they might want to run for office, come and step up onto the stage. And I was sitting next to Melissa and I said, you, you, you go. I know you feel that in your heart. And and I pushed her and she went and she did go. And one day I hope that she does run. But other women that were in that audience, like Pinky Vargas, who's in the state of Washington, she ran and continues to keep running and moving up the echelons of, of Washington politics. That to me was such a seminal moment in our history, like something shifted that at that conference and it and every year that Marianne does that conference, of course, the, the level goes up. But it seems like this is the work that you are doing. This, this is the work that you are doing. And tell us first, if there's anybody that's listening to this podcast that is, has even an inkling of an inspiration to run, tell me what you would, you would say to them. Oh, wow. I would say do it please. And the things that that come up for women when someone asks them to run for office or they even think about it, their concerns are always criticism, haters and trolls. I don't want to subject my family to that. I don't want to put my whole life on, on hold for it's going to take up so much time. And what I tell them is who will we be? Who will your community be? If you don't, you might be the only one who steps into that role. What if nobody runs against like part of the problem in Georgia is that we don't have a deep democratic bench of people to run. And so half of the Georgia state legislature house seats before 2016 were Republican unopposed. Oh my God. Unopposed. Yeah. And so like our mission, like as far as like activists in this, in the state go is to get people to run for every single seat. Do not leave one unopposed. They basically just rake in cash and sit on it over and over again. And you're handing it to them like somebody has to stand up and it might have to be you. That's something I posted the other day was like, I don't want to run for office, but I might fucking have to. Nobody else does it depending on what it is, right? I don't want to. Like I, (laughs) I I, I do literally have, you know, a, a different mission and a different path and, you know, I, I don't have very much chill when it comes to people being stupid in my presence. <laughs> like I will tell a motherfucker to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> like, that I, I just don't have a filter when it comes to that. And, and not everybody's cool with that. And that's totally fine too. So if so I had enjoyed- I might. That know? is so I cool. I hope you, I actually hope you do. Cause I would like to hear somebody say fuck while they're on the <laughs> Well, they're giving their their acceptance speech. Um, so. Even if it's just a fuck yeah. yeah. So tell me about your area. Has anything shifted since 2016? Have you gotten more people to run? Have- yes, absolutely. Um, we have definitely changed the face of the Georgia State Senate and the Georgia State House. That's awesome. And it's It's been amazing. It's not quite enough yet, but um, in 20, 2018, so yeah, I'm getting my my years confused 2018 in the Georgia state Senate, we broke this Republican supermajority. So now they just have a majority, not a supermajority, but the more and more women that we have standing up and running, the more and more of a difference and the more we chisel away at that. And it's, it's funny to me because people, 
especially progressives and especially young progressives, like we have grown up in an instant gratification culture, you know, technology is at our fingertips. We want things immediately and we want change immediately. And that just isn't how things happen. Sometimes it takes time, but you're still taking the left turn, even if it's not a hard left. Right. You know? And I, I think that, I think people looking at the, the political landscape being aware that yes, some things are going to need to drastically change, but sometimes that change is going to come a little more slowly than you would like. Like you can't just, you can't just take the Georgia state Senate. You can't just flip it in one year. It's not, maybe you could, but something would have to change. Like gerrymandering would have to change. Voting machines would have to change. We would have to not have a secretary of state who's a fucking critic who then magically gets elected to governor who right. could have seen right. that coming right, right. yes um, yes brian kemp's a fucking crook i said it um <laughs> everybody knows it it's not everybody even a knows. secret yeah exactly <laughs> we need a list of unopposed jurisdictions the georgia activists have put one together and and you can see you know who's in that seat now how long have it have they been there where do they fall on the you know spectrum of extreme conservative to extreme progressive, right? Is there anyone running against them? So those, those things exist. They exist. They tend to exist in like activist communities at like the leadership level so that those people know, oh, okay, we need somebody in this district. It's a flippable district. Let's go. Because you never know who's sitting in their kitchen thinking, well, maybe I should, you know, and they may not even know. Like we need to get the word out there. That's great. Okay. So I will post that in our notes, the Georgia list at least, yeah. because that is worth noting. Um, um, and when we were at Sister Giant, that was that was a huge topic of conversation. Like I, it, it's a vulnerable thing to run for office. It's like having no skin. So mm-hmm. do you want to take off your skin and go and walk into the fire? Yeah, that sounds like a really good idea, taking off my skin and walking into fire. <laughs> so so how, how I think you, a lot of women see it that way, yes. Yes. So how, what do you, how do you help your, your clients who are running for office? How do you help them buoy their hearts so that they can walk into the fire? Sure. We work on, I call it stepping into CEO energy, essentially, because when you're running a campaign, it's your face, it's your name, it's your decisions. You are the CEO of your campaign. You are suddenly the leader of what could easily become this massive beast, depending on whether social media picks you up or not, or whatever's happening in your community. And so we work on, let's build up 100% belief in who you are, what you have to offer, how you can make a difference in the community, because that, that core belief and that core, like I call it a bedrock of confidence, that core bedrock of confidence filters out through your message, through your media, through the way you walk into the, a room, through the way you speak to your constituents, through the way they remember or don't remember you, and through all the way to the voting booth. And so if you are bringing back to, if you're, it's really easy to be like, well, I lost the election, people didn't vote for me. And it's like, okay, but how can you take full responsibility for that? And yeah, we can't control gerrymandering at at this level in in this state right this minute. But how can you control the way that you enter the room and the way that you speak your message and the way that you connect with voters and the way that you remember their names or not and the way that you speak to their issues or not? Because that, your presence and who you are and what you believe about yourself and what is possible is what 
inspires people to get their asses to the polls. Stacey Abrams Abrams was down. Yeah. Yes. And that the very first time I saw her, um, I'm getting chills just talking about it because I just, Mm -hmm. she's so amazing. But the very first time I saw her, she said, you have to give people something to believe in. Georgia is blue and confused is what she likes to say. We're blue, but we're confused. (laughs) And if we are constantly in in a state where you're constantly outvoted, it's very easy to quickly believe, well, we can't flip this state or we can't have a democratic democratic governor in Georgia again. And it's just not true. And so what she did was she inspired people. She said, you have to give people something to believe in and something to vote for, and they will fucking turn up for you. And like, just, just taking that from her speech hit me so deeply. We're talking about hearts, right? Like that hit right to my heart and right to the heart of all of the work that I do is that when you fully and completely believe in yourself and your message and your values and what you can bring to a community, people will believe in you too. Because, but it starts with you and it starts with your belief in yourself. And so if you want to run for office, but you're scared and you don't believe in yourself, you have to overcome that cognitive dissonance <laughs> to, to put your hat in the ring anyway. And sometimes people do that leaping and, and, and are scared and we have to backfill. That's totally normal. Both sides of that are totally normal. Mm-hmm. But don't let I'm scared and I don't believe in myself be the reason why you don't make a difference in the world. That's a bullshit reason. Like that's a fixable problem. If you have a, if you have a solution, you don't have a problem. And I, my, my full and a hundred percent belief is that coaching is the solution to that problem. And I am the solution for political, for progressive women, political candidates. And that is what we do. We build a thousand percent belief in yourself, your values, what you have to say, your voice, that people will turn up for you. And when you show up like that, a hundred percent inspired by yourself on purpose, when you show up, People can't not look at you. People can't not pay attention to you. You have their, ener- their energy and their attention immediately. And this is, this is what AOC does. Every time she enters a room, she has the biggest energy in the room. She believes in what she's saying. She believes in who she is. She believes that she is enough right now to make a fucking difference. And she does. And it seems like Stacey Abrams does too. She does. They both seem very grounded, but in who they are. But Stacey Abrams, um, there's something about Stacey Abrams that just makes me feel calm and peaceful. I mean, I will never forget her non-concession speech, the quiet fury and the peace and the love that was interlaced in this speech in such a pivotal moment in her career too. I mean, she was just, she was fully grounded and I felt like connected to the divine too, like that ultimate Mm -hmm. grounded to the center of the earth and connected to the divine. Like she was in her full on power. Yeah. And she's brilliant. And that who you saw is who she truly really is. Yeah. Without a doubt. You know, something that you were talking, you were just saying, you know, that you, what you do with your, with your clients, having them feel that confidence and stuff. And it occurred to me that people might be hearing that as like chocolate frosting on a chalk, on a mud pie. Right. And it's not though, (laughs) right. 
like, <laughs> but you're not doing that. You're, you're, right. you're going from the inside out. It's not from the outside in. Right. We're not polishing a, a shit, you know, a turd, right? <laughs> not polishing a turd here because that's, that's truly what it is. And that is something else that I tell my clients is the reasons that affirm, the reason affirmations don't work is because you don't believe them. And so what we do is baby step backwards to something you can believe right now. That's just a step above where you're at. And then when you live in that and you believe that hundred percent, then we take the next baby step forward and again and again and again until you are fully in the identity of I'm someone who runs for office. I'm someone who can get elected. I'm somebody who kicks ass. I, I am a CEO. Okay. Let's say I'm a 50 uh, something year old mother. My son is leaving for college this fall and listening to this podcast in my kitchen, at my kitchen table, drinking coffee. And I am realizing that I live in one of these unopposed districts. And I'm listening to this podcast and I am suddenly inspired. And all the doubts come, come flooding in. But what are the first three things that you say to this, to this woman who may be about to step into her full power? Totally. So first I would say, hey, girl, hey. <laughs> I see you. <laughs> I see you, which I is see so you. <laughs> um, and but I think that, that the three most important things to know and to like drill into your head is that you're already qualified enough. Yes. You're already smart enough. Yes. And you can handle anything. Mm. Yeah. You truly, truly can. God knows as women in this country, we can fucking handle anything. The f flash flood that just went into my brain was Hillary Clinton, what she's been through. And obviously she's tough and you don't have, I mean, you know, she is tough, tough as nails. And she, she developed the tough as nails things over decades. And so who she is now is the sum total of her life experience up to now. But she had to deal with an inordinate amount of attacks her entire career. But you don't have to be that tough, right? Like pe people sometimes think, oh, I'm not that. I'm not that. I'm not AOC. Well, it, it comes down to truly, truly mindset work and coaching. It comes down to getting your brain around not making criticism mean anything about you. Mm. And it comes down to everywhere that you agree, criticism hurts us when we agree with it, even oh, if it's just a little bit. That's great. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so if you can look at the places where you agree with the criticism and figure out, okay, how can I, how can I help this make me become a better version of myself? How can I see what needs to be seen? How can I manage it with my mind? and manage my feelings around it and my thoughts around it. Because if, if criti when criticism doesn't land, it's because we don't believe it, right? It just bounces off. We go, what the hell? You're crazy. The sky is not green. You're broken. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> the sky's not green. Fuck off. You're broken. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, you don't believe that. That's ridiculous. But, you know, if, if I had some insecurity about the shirt I was wearing today and somebody came up to me and said, well, you look comfortable, I'd be <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, and, and you have to really look at what am I making this mean about me and what can I, where can I detach from the feelings and emotions? How can I feel them, process them, move through them, and then put that aside? 
learn what I need to learn from it and keep moving because you don't want to, you don't want to fully armor up because when you are fully armored, Brene talks about this, Brene Brown talks about this in dare to lead. When you are fully armored, you can't connect with people anymore. Right. And you can't truly hear their concerns because you have your defenses, your walls, your armor up. But when we can drop the armor and be real and be vulnerable with people and have true, real conversations and hold the space for, they might have something to say about us. That's okay. Uh, You're allowed to have your opinion about me. You are allowed to not like me. It's totally fine. I don't need people to like me. There are going to be people who don't like me because I have tattoos, because I say fuck a lot, and because I was a stripper when I was 20. There are just going to be people who don't like me, and it's okay. Oh my God, you were a stripper when you were 20. That's so yeah. cool. <laughs> it was fun. I had a fucking blast. I had a good time. I don't have any shame about it. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. Um, what actually, what led, you to, what led you to the journey of becoming a coach? Um, breast cancer. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was diagnosed at 34. And had to have a double mastectomy and six months of chemo. And that will shake your shit up <laughs> and change your life in a lot of ways. Um, and then after that, I struggled to work because chemo messes with your brain and your memory. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just got to, I went through you know job loss and then bankruptcy and foreclosure and um, then divorce. And I ended up on my best friend's couch with a, no money and no car and nowhere to go. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I am in a pit of despair here. I was in like suicidal depression. I was like, I literally do not know what I have done or what I'm going to do next. And I have to stop this cycle of chaos. Mm-hmm. And I have to be able to get myself out of this hole, this emotional hole, so that I can live. Because I've got shit to do. I don't intend to go anywhere. And yet my brain is like beating the crap out of me on a daily basis. And I was like, I have to be able to get out of this hole. I have to be able to, there have to be tools out there to help me. And so I found coaching and within nine months, totally different person. Um, I don't even have those thoughts anymore. Mm. Like that's just not even a thing that happens to me anymore. Um, Because I learned to manage my thoughts and stop them before they went down to that pit of despair. Um, and once I realized, oh my God, this, this shit literally saved my life. I can help other people. And so I started working with breast cancer survivors and then the election happened and I realized all of the progressive women around me, and there were many more than I ever thought here in Georgia, um, were all going through the same trauma and PTSD as a cancer diagnosis. And I was like, oh, I know how to help with this. I, okay, I got you. I'm feeling it too. I know exactly what this is. The emotions are the same. The circumstance is different. The emotions are the same. Um, I was like, I got you. I got, I got this. And so I started working with, you know, women organizing in the resistance and, you know, getting out there and busting ass to get people elected. Um, and then I sort of pivoted into how can I help the most women who want to help the most people Mm. and how, you know, tons of people are, tons of, tons of women were running for the first time and they're terrified and have no idea what to expect and they have no idea how to lead. And it's like, okay, these are teachable skills. You can learn these skills. Let's, let's do this. We can figure this out. So yeah, it just, it sort of morphed into 
okay, now I help people get their minds around running for office and truly step into becoming leaders. And, you know, then I have this other like 50% of my business that's entrepreneurs and career leapers and CEOs and VPs. And, you know, it's, it's women who want more in their lives and who want to have more ownership and agency over their own minds and the decisions that they make and who they are becoming and step into that next version of themselves in a really powerful way. That is, it's so life-changing to me. Like all of, all of this work is so life-changing. One of the themes I'm hearing from you is thought management, mm-hmm. managing our, so is that a core of, of what you do and, and follow-up question, do you have any tips for us on that thought management? Yeah, 100%. I think when we are at the effect of our brain essentially running loose, which is what it does for most people, because we, don't, we aren't taught how to manage our minds. We aren't taught how to not be at the whim of our emotions, right? Yeah, I know. I'm always thinking they should teach that in kindergarten. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, it needs to be a skill yeah. <laughs> that's taught. Um, when, when we are at the effect of what our brains and what our emotions do, we are not as powerful as we could be. And so we self-sabotage, we procrastinate, we burn things down that don't need to be burned down because, you know, somebody made me mad or, you know, Dracarys, somebody hurt my feelings, right? (laughs) And so when we can look, truly look at what our brain is doing and decide to do something different from a place of power and from a place of inspiration and from a place of hope in the future, we make different decisions. Mm. And our decision-making process is everything. And it truly does come from what we're thinking and feeling. I was just thinking, I have a friend who's battling cancer right now, and she's on steroids for not actually the cancer, but for something else that's happening next to the cancer in her body. And it is affecting her brain. And I was just thinking, like you were talking about chemo and all that. There are so many people on different drugs that do, they either are conscious or not not conscious of the fact that the drugs are also affecting their thoughts. So that is a double whammy, like the chemo brain thing. That is a double whammy, like lassoing your thoughts when your brain is chemically being affected. That is tough. And, and yet, I mean, this is something that I, that I say to my clients when they are struggling mentally and emotionally is that you can go through cancer and still have fun every day. Mm, That's great. I I did. It's possible. I laughed every single day. That Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that there weren't days that were hard. You know, it does not make me a hero. It does not make me braver or stronger than anybody else. It was just the way that I was thinking about it. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to be bald. Let me see if I can scare some teenagers today. <laughs> like, let me see what some little kids are going to say to me at the grocery store. I don't give a fuck. Let's see what happens. Like I sort of t- saw it as like this social experiment going through chemo and like having to draw on my eyebrows and make makeup was my wig. And I wore these big fuck off earrings. And I was like, come at me. Who is going to say anything to me? Nobody. <laughs> Never. Oh my God. They have no idea. I make, I'm making everyone uncomfortable. This is hilarious. How uncomfortable can I make them? (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, I mean, I just, I just sort of saw it as a, yes, it was difficult to go through, but that doesn't mean that I didn't have fun. And it doesn't mean that I didn't continue to live my life. And I worked through chemo. It Mm. was hard, but I did it. 
Wow. Not, not everybody's going to do that. And I respect that. I was not in a place financially where I could just be like, well, you know, most, and most people aren't. Yeah. Yeah. Most people, I wasn't, I was working for a startup and they were like, well, we need you. We're not just going to pay you not to be here. So like, okay, well I need every, every other Thursday off and I'll make up where I need to make up. And they were like, okay. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, I had to work. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can go through the hardest shit in the world and still find joy and still find laughter and still find happiness and still have fun in the moment and be present in the moment. And that I think is, is that ability tends to blow people away because they think that something super hard like that must be super depressing all the time. And that's mm-hmm. just not true. Right. That's good. That's great. Speaking of health issues, you know, your mom just had a health issue and you were, you ran to her side and um, tell us how you managed your heart because I'm, I'm in this, I'm in the age group where most of my friends have an ailing parent or, you know, and so that's a, it's a whole other level of taking care of your own heart while you're taking care of somebody else's heart and, yeah. What, do you, what advice do you give those people? Oh my goodness. Um, so it's funny that we're talking about hearts. She had quintuple, quintuple bypass open heart surgery. OMG. Not kidding. I didn't even know there were five. <laughs> I didn't either, but there are. <laughs> and, and it wasn't planned. My intent was to go with her to this doctor's appointment where they, they do this heart cast and they go through your, your vein system and look at what's happening in your heart. And they were like, you can't leave. We're, we're doing this and we're doing it tomorrow. And she was like, oh, oh, okay. Well, I, um, okay, I guess this is what we're doing. All right. Um, and she just handled it like she knew it was coming. And I think that there was a part of her that did. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's always this part of you that kicks in that's like, let's, okay, this is what we have to do. Let's just get through it. But the way that, that I handled myself was to, like I, I love my stepdad and I love my grandmother and I love my stepbrother, but they are all very huge personalities mm-hmm. and it's almost like they energetically fight for attention mm-hmm. when they're all to, when they're together. And mm-hmm. so I was there until two of the three of them got there and I was like, I love you. I'm going home. Otherwise I will have a meltdown mm-hmm. because it is just too overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I took care of myself by, making sure that she was cared for and she had everything that she needed and that the the right people were there when she needed them. Mm-hmm. And then I went away and mm-hmm. then I came back like a week later, like, okay. So now you I'm went filled up, you filled your own heart up. And then exactly. you back. Yeah. yeah. I, I definitely had to check out of that situation and go take care of myself because it would be, it would have been very easy to get completely overwhelmed by those three energies in the room. They're just a lot to handle. Um, but I know that about myself. And so I was like, I love y'all. It's mm-hmm. not any <laughs> judgment about you. Mm-hmm. I just know what I can and can't handle. And just mom going through this is a lot right now because she's she is my heart. Mm-hmm. She <laughs> um, is my heart. That's She beautiful. is my heart. Um, yeah. And I have to, in order to be here for her in the right way, I have to take care of myself. So. Mm-hmm. You, you guys got this everybody good okay I love you I'll see you next weekend <laughs> and it was just that it was that it was hard but it was simple too at the same time 
It was like, I don't want to leave her side, but at the same time, she is in, in the best possible hands. And you had to put on your own oxygen mask before you could totally help her with hers. Yeah, totally. And she's fine now. How is, give us the status. She, she good? is Close fantastic. She's fantastic. Yeah. Like she's getting her strength back every day. She was out of the hospital four days later. Wow. Um, walking around, doing good. And then, yeah, I mean, she looks better than she's ever like looked in like years. Wow. She has color she didn't have before. And it's like, whoa, uh, yeah, this definitely needed to happen. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So she's great. Thank you for asking. So, and I think um, that's a beautiful note to end on. I just, that, you know, that seems to me that that's what you're in the business of doing is bringing blood flow back to everybody's hearts and pumping up their hearts and saying, I love that. You've got this. You've got this. I've got you. I see you. I support you. And um, let's lasso those hearts so you could be your most powerful heart, powerful self. And let's kick ass. So thank you. There's a lot of ass to be kicked. Let's go kick ass. Let's please go kick ass. All of it. (laughs) Kick them all out. (laughs) Um, And your website again, speaking of ass kicking is... Um, you can find me at theenlightenedbadass.com. I also have a Facebook page, The Enlightened Badass, and on Instagram at The Enlightened Badass. So yeah, I'm, I'm everywhere uh, all at once. <laughs> Yay. And I, I'm just going to say a call to action to everybody that's listening. Let, let's all look for women that we can support running for office, especially in these uncontested places. But I was just, we were just fighting here in the last election trying to get a woman into office and I was supporting Jess Phoenix. And then, and then um, when she lost um, in the primary supporting Katie Hill, who won and is kicking ass. Yeah, she's great. That was a seat that was held by a Republican white man for a really long time. And, and we made it happen and it can happen. So reach out and support somebody. Um, I started a Facebook group years ago, um, right after Actually, right after Sister Giant, I started a Facebook group called Kick-Ass Women Run for Office because there weren't a lot of women. And now the Facebook group is not even needed, right? Because it's like now it's everywhere. But at that moment, it was a place where we could share is who's running and things like that. And thank God the Facebook group is not needed. That's the best news when a Facebook group is not needed anymore because it's then it's everywhere. But But a call to action is to, if you know somebody that you think should be running, have them reach out to Melanie and have a conversation, right? And see, because what a powerful way to get yourself started on this path is have a conversation with you and see if this is something that they make, because support is of the essence. And there is a ton of support, as I learned at Sister Giant. Yale has the, what what does Yale have the, um, what's it called, their program? Oh, man. I feel like it's called like resistance school or something. Yes, something like that. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm misremembering it also. But there are programs, not just at Yale, there are programs um, across the United States that are all about supporting women and giving you the resources that you need and also helping you fundraise. Because if you're overwhelmed by the thought of fundraising, well, I don't know people that have money. That's okay. There are groups out there that will help you fundraise. But um, number one, take care of your heart. So to take care of your heart, 
step into a session with Melanie and, and see if that's something that you want to, you know, have your heart jump into. Melanie, obviously your services are so amazing for what you do for people that aren't running for office also. Thank you for empowering everybody's hearts and having everybody be more of a badass in the world. Yeah, we need more badass women standing up and running the joint because these dudes are not doing a very good job. <laughs> Let's just be straight. They kind of suck. <laughs> and they only care about themselves. So if you want legislation that cares about other people, you need to elect women, especially women of color. Yeah, find them, support them, give them money, lift them up, help them. Yeah. Yes. And even a dollar helps. Yes. Every little. Because a dollar is also energy. So you're giving energy to that campaign when you just even give a dollar. Mm -hmm. All right, Melanie, thank you so much. Thank you for talking to us. Uh, This is like an unbelievable timing um, at the end of this crucial week of states passing bills to limit um, abortion this week even. Um, Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You're awesome. You are such a superhero of love. Thank you for taking care of all of our hearts. Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you for your work. That was the Enlightened Badass. Go to theenlightenedbadass.com to find Melanie Childers. Isn't she fantastic? And I was talking about the program at Yale. It's the Women's Campaign School at Yale University. Check it out. And if you like the podcast, please go rate and review it and tell your friends about it. The more superheroes, the better. Thanks for coming, superhero.